Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God. Okay, if you can open up the greatest book ever written to Esther chapter 1. Anybody know what feast day for the Jewish people comes from the book of Esther? Purim, good. Feast of Purim. This year the Feast of Purim comes March 11th and 12th. That's when it'll be celebrated. So the outcome of the book of Esther is the Feast of Purim. And we'll learn about that more somewhere down weeks ahead. So the book of Esther, it's also known as the scroll. Just called the scroll. I'm going to give you a little bit of background. Title of tonight's message is King Pleaser or Self Pleaser? King or Self Pleaser is the title of tonight's message. Throughout the book of Esther, you will see a lot of things dealing with pride. And I think all of us have some ugly monster of pride still in us. It surfaces at times depending on the circumstances. So remember that one of the themes throughout the book of Esther, pride. You'll see it in various personalities in the book. Up on the screen right now, you'll you see a lot of different words. Kings, provinces, queen, Esther, Mordecai, Haman, Sushan. There's a lot of words up there that we'll be covering in the book of Esther. One of the things we're going to read shortly is that the Persian Empire of Ahasuerus. Now, Ahasuerus is a title. It's like Pharaoh. The king that we're going to be looking at is Xerxes I. So remember, Aserus is a title, like Pharaoh was a title for the Egyptian king. But his name was Xerxes I. And you can see here that the red area was the Persian Empire of Xerxes I. And it went from India all the way to Ethiopia. So you got India over in this area here, and it's going all the way across and down into Ethiopia. Huge, fantastic possession of that empire. And in it were 127 provinces or districts. Here's another picture of how big Xerxes I rule was. It, it's massive. You can see Egypt here. Um, it's just tr unbelievable for that time how much area it covered. Here's a picture of just Iran. And if we go um, back to the last picture, you can see 
or two pictures ago, just the difference. Picture Iran, which is huge, and just the territory that was under Xerxes' reign. Here's another picture of the Persian Empire, okay, of that time. Here's a picture of the ruins of Susha, okay, which was the winter capital, we'll look at that tonight, where Xerxes lived during the winter time because it was warm there. So he would leave his other home and come to this area where they say that it got so hot in the summertime that a lizard or a snake, if it was crossing a road, would fry before it got to the other side. That's how hot it was. But in the wintertime, it was warm enough that they would go there to stay warm. Now, over here, okay, this is the area... This is one of the areas here that we're looking at. This right here is the tomb of Daniel, the prophet. Isn't that pretty cool? And we're going to see a more modern-day landscape right now of that same picture. Here's the developments today all around here. And here is what we were just looking at with over here. You don't see it too well on this map, Daniel's tomb. But you can see the erosion. It's not raised up like the last picture. Just time has just taken its toll. You can see the 3D dimension here where it's flattened out in the modern day pictures. You don't see that, the rise. In the next picture, here is a modern day view with the waterways and along the waterway. This is today's picture of where Daniel, the prophet Daniel, is buried. Again, take a look at this. This is the, the city. This is the area that we're going to be talking about. Again, this is just a ruin that is there today. And you can see how they use it and they build on it. Different structures. Excavation still going on today. This is where Xerxes is buried. People can visit this today, a massive, there's actually four kings buried in here. And you can see the doorways here, the entrance to the tombs. Okay, and Darius was Xerxes' father. This guy right here was uh, Xerxes' dad. Xerxes, of course, being the son. And you know some of these people from the teachings here, but Darius... He was the guy who lost to the Greeks at the Battle of Marathon. He lost. And one of the things his son Xerxes wanted to do was beat the Greeks. And he did at the Battle of... Uh, anybody know? It's a famous movie. 300 Spartans. Thermopylae. Good. Yes. And... Leonidas was who he defeated. So this has taken place, what we're going to read tonight, between chapter 1 and chapter 2 of the book of Esther. 
And we'll look at chapter 1 tonight. Esther is one of two books in the Bible that's named after a woman. The other one is what? Good, the book of Ruth. Both these women were women of faith. They were women of courage. They were women that faced tremendous challenges and adversity, including death. In other words, they, in their lives, they, had, they dealt with death, just like we face adversity and death. Ruth was a Gentile who married a Jew. Esther was a Jew who married a Gentile. Both women were very instrumental in saving the nation of Israel. Both played huge parts in the nation of Israel's uh, going on, not ending. Ruth, by the birth of a baby. Esther, by the death of an enemy. The events cover about 10 years from Xerxes' third year of his reign to his 12th year. Events belong between the 6th and 7th chapter of Ezra. Like if you went back to Ezra and read the 6th and 7th chapter, Esther fits right into, those, right into that book, what's going on there. God's name is not mentioned once in this book, but yet his sovereignty is evident throughout, even though his name is not mentioned. You're not going to see anything uh, mentioned about the word prayer in Esther, anything about fasting in the book of Esther. Yet God's presence, God's sovereignty, God's reign is evident throughout the book. One lesson to be taken out of the book of Esther and something that we need to really put in our hearts is that God rules in the affairs of men whether he is recognized or not. I want to say that again. God rules in the affairs of men and women whether God himself is recognized by that, those men or women. He still is working. You and I, as his children, must surrender and do his will and not our own will or someone else's will. We need to follow the will of our Father. Remember, it is his story, not ours. And his story is history. His story, God's story, is history. The Jews back then who lived in Jerusalem and in Judah got a lot of encouragement from the book of Esther. Today, Jews in Israel get a lot of encouragement from the book of Esther. You and I, as the bride of Christ, should get a lot of encouragement from the book of Esther. Why? Main reason is God keeps his promises. And we see that in the book of Esther. We see that throughout the scriptures. 
God is a God who keeps his promises. We're going to see in the book of Esther another king or another person is trying to wipe out the Jews and Israel. And if they succeeded, we wouldn't be up here tonight and we wouldn't be reading the book of Esther. But no one can defeat our God. Nobody can beat our God. God keeps his promises. In Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 3, Abraham was told by the Lord, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great. And thou shalt be a blessing, and I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. And that's from Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. That, those verses stand true today. If you go against Israel, you're messing with the apple of God's eye. You're messing with his children. Don't mess with God's children. Don't. You don't want to do that because God will come after you. Very important as we look at the book of Esther to understand that Israel as a nation is still trying to be obliterated today by enemies. That is a huge thing here. We have to understand this. In just a few days, on the 15th of this month, there's going to be a meeting in Paris. Seventy nations are going to get, come together to talk and vote about dividing up Israel, to divide up Jerusalem into a Palestinian area and a Jewish area. Not a good move for those people who are voting for it. This comes right here. This is all part of still trying to push the Jewish nation of Israel out into the Mediterranean Sea. Keep watching and keep remembering what this verse says, these verses say. Esther is a book of intrigue, drama. It's like a movie. And there's been some movies made about the book of Esther. I'm sure some of you have seen that, and we'll talk about that a little later, not tonight, but some other day. But it's almost too much of a story to believe it really happened. But it happened. It really took place. Today, in Iran, there's a group of people totally against the Israelites. Probably descendants from the Amalekites and people like a Haman. If you know the story of Esther, you know who Haman is already. If not, you're going to find out when we get into chapter 2 and 3. As I mentioned before, Xerxes is the son of Darius. 
And if you saw the movie 300, and you remember them coming up to the pass where the Greeks were holding that little entryway. If you remember how they made Xerxes look, he was huge. He was like a giant of a man. Well, one of the things you need to know about this Xerxes, he was vicious. He was immoral. He was a big man. I don't think he was as big as that guy that was riding in the movie 300, but he was big. He was mean. People feared him. Of all the Persian kings, he was the most dominant, vicious, and unpredictable. One of the things that's also you have to remember that's going on all around this time is the Jews of Babylon were permitted by Cyrus to return to Jerusalem to rebuild the Holy Temple. About 42,000 Jews went back to Jerusalem in that area to rebuild the temple. The rest stayed right here where Xerxes was king. Esther, Mordecai, being two of those people that stayed. So we want to look right now at verses 1 to 4 of Esther. Now it came to pass in the days of Aserus, this was Aserus who reigned over 127 provinces from India to Ethiopia. In those days when King Aserus sat on the throne of his kingdom, which was in Shushan, the citadel, that in the third year of his reign he made a feast for all his officials and servants, the powers of Persia, and Media, the nobles, and the princes of the provinces being before him. When he showed the riches of his glorious kingdom and the splendor of his excellent majesties for many days, 180 days in all. Now, through a party for six months that included all these nobles, all these princes, all these officials from all that area that I showed you that was the 127 provinces of Xerxes. So they were all coming to Shushan to celebrate what the king, but what the king was doing was he was boasting, he was showing his glory. He was a man full of pride. He wanted to show everybody what he had. Up here you see how beautiful it must have been in the top picture. Along the water and just the beautiful uh, stonework and tile work. The bottom left picture. Just the palace area with the courtyards. And just how magnificent it must have been. Some of the movies that we see, like the recent Ben-Hur movie that just came out, or some of the movies that they make, just how fantastic, even like a Gladiator it was years ago, just how they make the, the Colosseum look and the temples look and the places of these kings and emperors. Just fantastic how it must have been. Well, where is the glory of Xerxes today? bottom right picture, 
you see some of the ruins. How temporary that was up there, even though it was real at the time. But look at it today. It's just stone and dirt, and you have to dig out of mountainous areas. Sarah's name means, I will be silent and poor. His name means, I will be silent and poor. What do we hear of Xerxes today except his connection in the story of Esther, biblically speaking? But there's some characters in the story that are going to speak volumes. That are going to be speak volumes to you and I and speak volumes throughout eternity because of their decisions they have made. They weren't self-servers. They weren't self-gratifiers. They weren't self-pleasers. They were king-pleasers. Hopefully you and I are king-pleasers, not self-pleasers. In Ephesians 1.18, it says, The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? Six-month party Xerxes threw for thousands, probably tens of thousands of people that came. Yet, what do you and I look forward to? We have a new heaven and a new earth that we're going to be part of. We're going to be at a wedding feast with, uh, with Jesus Christ that's going to last for seven years. Heck with this little stuff, six-month stuff. We're going to be with the Lord for seven years just celebrating at our wedding. Your wedding and my wedding. That's coming. That day will be here. Let's look at verses 5 through 10. And when these days were completed, the king made a feast lasting seven days for all the people who were present in Sushan the citadel, from great to small in the court of the garden of the king's palace. So now what's happening right now? This is at the end of the six months. Six months have come and gone, and now this is the final This is the final time they're going to party. And we'll talk about that in a few minutes. Verse 6. There were white and blue linen curtains fastened with cords of fine linen and purple on silver rods and marble pillars. And the couches were of gold and silver on mosaic pavement of alabaster, turquoise, and white and black marble. How magnificent and beautiful it must have been. Verse 7, and they served drinks in golden vessels, each vessel being different from the other, with royal wine in abundance, according to the generosity of the king. In accordance with the law, the drinking was not compulsory. For so the king had ordered all the officers of his household that they should do according to each man's pleasure. Queen Vashti also made a feast For the women in the royal palace, which belonged to King Xerxes. On the seventh day, when the heart of the king was merry with wine, he commanded Mehuman, Bizda, Harbona, 
Bigtha, Abigatha, Zethar, and Carcass, seven eunuchs who served in the presence of the king. All right, so now looking at verses 5 through 10. So the feast is coming to an end. They're going to have one last hurrah. They were given as much drink as they wanted. If you wanted to drink, you could drink. If you didn't want to drink, you didn't have to drink. But understand, this is going on six months. What is going on? Can you imagine the condition these people were in? Notice, in verse 7, they served drinks in golden vessels, each vessel being different from the other. Sign of tremendous wealth, but it can also be a sign of not being that wealthy. You just have all different kinds of cups and saucers and dishes. And, but very wealthy people, they can get tons of the same thing, can't they? Well, Xerxes wanted to have all different kinds of vessels that his provinces could drink from. According to each man's pleasure, they could drink. What is the lust of the flesh? What is the lust of the eyes? What is the pride of life? You can imagine what was going on here, how much drinking must have been going on. Did you know that the average to 10 to 15 million Americans are alcoholics today? It costs the United States over $500 billion a year on alcoholism. That 25% of freezing deaths and choking deaths come from alcohol. That 50% of falling deaths and fires that are started come from alcohol. 60% of suicides and murders and rapes come from the abuse of alcohol. 70% of drowning deaths, aircraft deaths, robberies and assaults come from the abuse of alcohol. 80% of criminal court cases come from alcohol abuse. 40% of traffic deaths come from alcohol abuse. And 50% of teen traffic deaths come from alcohol abuse. And one out of eight people who take their first drink become alcoholics. The effect of alcohol in our society and what is used to, per to endorse and advertise alcoholism? Sports, sports, and sports. It's sick. Professional sports, college sports, the amount of alcohol advertised to our young people, no wonder 10 to 15 million Americans are alcoholics. No wonder 50% of teens that are killed in accidents is because of alcohol in their system. In Proverbs 20, verse 1, it says, Wine is a mocker, and strong drink is a brawler. Whoever is led astray by it is not wise. They say that the Persians during this time, when they had governmental meetings, they would drink till, till they were out of it completely drunk 
and then they would make their governmental decisions. Crazy. And if they didn't, couldn't come to a decision, they would drink more and more until they could come up with a decision. Now, guess what one of the number one areas in our country is where alcoholism is a problem? Washington, D.C. Hmm. Wonder if that's why some of the crazy laws and things are going on. Interesting, isn't it? Talking about thousands of years ago, Persian government with alcohol and how much is influenced today by men and women who are making decisions and maybe have an addictive behavior. In Proverbs 23, chapter 23, verses 29 to 31, it says, Who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has contentions? Who has complaints? Who has wounds without cause? Who has redness of eyes? Those who linger long at the wine, those who go in search of mixed wine. Do not look on the wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup, when it swirls around smoothly. Okay, let's go to verses 11 and 12 of Esther. To bring Queen Vashti before the king wearing her royal crown in order to show her beauty to the people and the officials, for she was beautiful to behold. But Queen Vashti refused to come at the king's command brought by the eunuchs. Therefore the king was furious and his anger burned within him. So again, just set in the stage, what's taken place is they're drunk. All these princes, all these other leaders of the different provinces under Xerxes, they're sloshed. And now what does Xerxes want to do? He wants to bring his wife Vashti before and parade her before these men. Well, verse 12, Queen Vashti says, no, I'm not coming. Now you have to understand, when she said no, had tremendous, tremendous consequences. And I believe Queen Vashti knew it. Her name means beautiful. And through any of the archaeological digs and any evidence, they never find the name Vashti. But what they think is Vashti is a term that they used for this woman that she was so beautiful that that was like her title. She was gorgeous. But there was something in Vashti that needs to be in more people in our society. And that is the ability to say no. Just say no. By her saying no, we have the book of Esther. By her saying no, she probably knew that her life was at stake or at worst, she was no longer his wife. She didn't know exactly what was going to take place if she went to Xerxes' command 
and, and showed up with all the drunken men in the court. But she knew something was up, and it didn't feel right to her to go, to be paraded before these men. Some people say that Xerxes wanted her to do something immoral or indecent. There's really no factual evidence about that. But there was something in Vashti that she said no. Joseph said no to Potiphar's wife. Daniel said no to the king. He refused to bow down. And as a result of saying no, tremendous things took place. Are you and I people that can say no to compromised situations? Hopefully that answer is yes. That we won't compromise to our king just to please ourselves or to please others. Xerxes was a wild man. He was unpredictable. He was a murderer. There was a family that came to him that said that they, would, they, had, they were very wealthy and they said that they would finance this war that he was going to go into. So he was so impressed by that request that he ended up financing the war out of his own pocket instead of his great wealth of his kingdom. The same family came to him another time. One of their sons had been killed in a war fighting for Xerxes, and she only had one, or the family only had one other son. So they asked Xerxes if their one son that survived could be spared from going to war just in case he would be killed. So Xerxes ordered his soldiers to come and cut him in half. Put one half of his body on one side of the road, one half of his body on the other side of the road, and he marched his troops through them as they were heading out to another battle. Crazy, warped, vicious man. Yet, Vashti could say no to him. What was the character of this woman? What was her character? We don't have the book of Esther if Vashti doesn't say no. If you know the story of Esther, there might not be a nation of Israel if Vashti doesn't say no. Crucial crucial, important word to be able to say, the word no. Okay, let's take a look at verses 13 to 20. Now remember, Xerxes is very angry right now. He has sent his eunuchs to go to ask the queen to come before him. And she's telling the eunuchs no. Now these eunuchs have to go to Xerxes and they have to tell him, King, your wife said no. Verse 13, Then the king said to the wise men who understood the times, 
for this was the king's manner toward all who knew law and justice, those closest to him being Karshina, Sethar, Admatha, Tarshish, Mers, Marcina, and Memucam, the seven princes of Persia and Media, who had access to the king's presence and who ranked highest in the kingdom. These guys saw his face. They were in the room. They were discussing things. They were close to him. They were in his cabinet. They were right there. So, the queen says no. Remember the province of Xerxes. He's in control of all these people, all these provinces, all that area. And his wife says no to him. In front of witnesses. It's not like it's in your house. It's being said through the whole nation. Now, they didn't have iPhones or iPads or television back then, but it's interesting that the Persians, every 14 miles from one place to another, they would have stables. And they would have something like the Pony Express. So they would ride 14 miles with information. They would get on a fresh horse and go another 14. So news traveled pretty quickly back then. So you can imagine when this word got out, what might be taking place throughout the kingdom. Verse 15, what shall we do to Queen Vashti according to the law? Because she did not obey the command of King Xerxes brought to her by the eunuchs. And Memucam answered before the king and the princes, Queen Vashti has not only wronged the king, but also all the princes and all the people who are in all the provinces of the king. For the queen's behavior will become known to all women so that they will despise their husbands in their eyes when they report King Xerxes commanded Queen Vashti to be brought in before him, but she did not come. This very day the noble ladies of Persia and Media will say to all the king's officials that they have heard of the behavior of the queen. Thus there will be excessive contempt and wrath. If it pleases the king, let a royal decree go out from him and let it be recorded in the laws of the Persians and the Medes so that it will not be altered that Vashti shall come no more before the king and let the king give her royal position to another who is better than she. When the king's decree which he will make is proclaimed throughout all his empire, for it is great, all wives will honor their husbands, both great and small. And the reply pleased the king and the princes and the king did according to the word of Memekin. Then he sent letters to all the king's provinces, to each province in his own script, and to every people in their own language, that each man should be master in his own house and speak in the language of his own people. I was thinking of the fella Memokan when he got home that night. What was Mrs. Memokan saying to him when he came through that door? I heard that you were the one who pushed this whole thing to get rid of Queen Vashti. No, not me, honey. 
It was a, it was a vote. It was a vote. Think of what was going on in the kingdom at that time among the women. But at the same time, I was thinking this when I was thinking of Queen Vashti. What was going on in the minds of the normal people, normal females at that time? Were they jealous that they weren't in that court with the king? What was being stirred up in their heart as they looked at this pomp and circumstance that was going on? What were they thinking when the queen refused to go into the court? Were they horrified? Was this the first rise of women's liberation movement? What was going on? What took place? Well, it says in Colossians 3.18, Wives, submit to your own husbands as is fitting the Lord. But then it also says in Ephesians 5.23, For the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. And remember, that Savior was willing to die for his bride, you and I. Interesting what's taken place in a Gentile nation. So we come to the close of one question. Are you a self-pleaser or a king-pleaser? Are you and I getting to know our king more and more each day? Or are we getting to know ourself better each day? Are we pleasing ourselves or others or our king? Hopefully it's always the king. The king of kings and the lord of lords. It'll probably be a month or so before we get into chapter 2, but if you want to read a great book, a book of drama and intrigue, you're in it right now, the book of Esther. Become familiar with some of the characters in here. Because all of us somehow will relate to different personality traits that they have. Let's pray. You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfields. We're located at 15 Half Acre Road in Jamesburg, New Jersey. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. and Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays, we have children's church for all ages in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you.